If you thoroughly read the back of your bulletin, you might notice that our liturgy this morning was written by Wiley Webb, and that our preacher this morning is Sadie Webb. These two girls are graduates of last year's opt-in class, and opt-in ends with everyone taking on a project. As we get to know them, finding things that they're gifted at or conviction is that God wants to use those things to bless this community and bless the world. So our prayer is that this morning in worship you see God moving through the words and the liturgy, uh, through the words as Sadie brings this sermon, and that you are as excited and encouraged as we are by the ways that God continues to move and bless this place. Would you pray with me? Lord, would you quiet our hearts and open our ears that we might hear you speaking. Lord, would you send your spirit upon Sadie, that as she speaks, we might encounter you again and hear your word for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hear now a reading from Malachi 3, 1 through 4. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness, and the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in the days gone by, as in former years. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Malachi is a rather obscure book of the Bible. If you're trying to find it, it's short enough that you might have to look up the page number, even if you know where you're looking. But it's a relevant book for us. Malachi begins by accusing Israel of polluting their worship. The people ask, how? And Malachi responds for God. He says, when they get ready to make an offering to God, they bring God their leftovers. Instead of giving God the best of what they had, they would bring God what they had left. Much like we do, God's people had decided to half-heartedly follow him. So while it may be an obscure book, it is definitely relevant. As far as I can tell, we still cheapen our faith by offering to God what we have left, instead of offering to God our best. Back then, they said things like, Here, God, here's my sheep that is dirty and diseased and useless to me. It's some sacrifice for you. Love you. <laughs> or, Here, God, here's my bull with a broken leg. I was going to have to kill anyway. 
It's a sacrifice for you. Love you. <laughs> they offered to God what was left, or what they didn't need, and they expected God to understand. It's not hard to see in our culture. We prioritize other parts of our lives over church and God. Often, I have more expectations for my schoolwork than I do for my faith. People my age prioritize sports and athletics over church and God. Church events have to fit around the busy schedules we already have. Instead of our busy schedules fitting around what God wants for us. Like back then, we expect God to understand. We might not say, here's my bull with a broken leg I was going to have to kill anyway. It's a sacrifice for you. Love you. But we might say, here God, I'm pretty tired because I was busy with other things last night. So I'm falling asleep. But I found one hour on Sunday to spend with you. It's my sacrifice to you. Love you. Or, here God, I've spent my money on bills and buying stuff I need and stuff I want. But here's what's left after I did most everything I wanted to do. It's my sacrifice to you. Love you. Or, here God, I work hard at school, at practice, at work, at home. So when I come to you, I don't really have energy to serve. I mostly just have energy to be here and let you pour into me. But this little bit of energy is my sacrifice to you. Love you. In Malachi, God's people have decided to half-heartedly follow him. And frankly, we aren't so different. It's easy to let the commitments of our lives take over our time, our energy, our money, until all we have to give to God are leftovers. And we expect God to understand. Sometimes we even expect God to be happy that we showed up. We think God should be glad or amazed that we brought him our leftovers. But Israel wasn't supposed to make sacrifices because God was running low on dead cows. It wasn't because God was hungry for barbecue and couldn't do it himself. <laughs> the sacrifices were about Israel's relationship with God. We give out of what we have because it's how we show our love for God. It's the same with other people. We show them our love with gifts of our time, gifts of things we buy or make, gifts of our energy. If someone only gives me their leftovers, they might say they love me. And then I'd have to ask, why do I always get your leftovers? It hurts when someone we love does that to us. With God, it's even more serious. Because God isn't just our friend. God is God. Our sacrifices are about showing our love for God. We can't just say love you 
after we give him our leftovers, and it be acceptable as true love. They are also about what God deserves. God sacrificed his son for us. We can't ever repay that gift. But what does it say about us when we only bring God our leftovers? As I was thinking about this criticism from Malachi, I kept wanting to defend myself. Well, when I go to school in sports, I'm working to be a Christian there. I am loving my neighbor and all that good Christian stuff. But Malachi kept coming after me. I realized that I was expecting God to show up on my time, fit into my schedule, and be happy with whatever kinds of offerings I wanted to bring him. Which brings us to chapter 3 on refinement. What I'm amazed by from this text in Malachi is this line. The Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. His temple is the place they have defiled. But it is also the place God has promised to be. Even though God's people have been giving God their leftovers, God won't break his promises. He still comes to the temple, and God comes with love, and not the leftover kind of love. Even though we give God our leftovers, God doesn't offer us his leftovers. He offers us everything. He offers us his son, his son. So we know that when we seek the Lord, he is faithful to come to us. After Jesus, God isn't stuck in the building of a temple in Jerusalem. Now, we are his temples. He lives in us and is transforming us into holy, sacred temples. God will come to us when we seek him. It would be nice if just admitting we should be doing better was the end of Malachi's talk with God's people. <laughs> We might feel bad for a while, but we wouldn't have to change. We wouldn't have to live differently. But it wasn't the end. God doesn't come to tell us that it's okay and that God understands and is happy to get our leftovers. Malachi says, the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. It doesn't sound very hopeful. If you just said that to someone who didn't know anything about the church, it would sound like our God is coming to set us all on fire. <laughs> It sounds like God is coming to punish us by burning us up. Sometimes that's how we feel if we are judged for our faith. Someone is trying to make us feel guilty for not doing enough or not being Christian enough. But God doesn't come with fire to punish us. God comes with fire to refine us. To refine gold and silver, 
the temperature the fire has to reach is 1,832 degrees Fahrenheit. The refining fire will get rid of all impurities. God is the refiner. Jesus is the fire. And we are the goal. God considers us precious. The fire isn't because we're worthless. The fire is because we are valuable. You don't refine rocks. You refine gold. The problem is that we aren't shiny, pretty gold. We are gold that gets so dirty you can't even tell that it's gold. We are made in the image of God. That is the most beautiful, most amazing thing there is. We are made to be God's sons and daughters. We are gold. But the gold has been covered up by our other desires, our other commitments, our sins. We are gold that has been covered up by our burdens, our doubts, and our fears. There is gold somewhere in us, but it's covered up with dirt and grime and pain. So God comes to refine us, not because we're not worth it, but because we're worth too much to be left dirty and covered up. Now, we might feel like the image of fire is pretty intense. We might prefer God to go with the laundry soap image. But the way they washed clothes was to soak them in water, scrub them with a rough soap, and then lay them on a rock and beat them with a stick. No matter what, it seems like God's refining hurts. The refinement hurts because we love our sins. When we love our sins, it hurts to get rid of them. We get comfortable in our sins. So while there is gold in us somewhere, it is a lot more comfortable to be covered up by the world because nobody really wants to go through the fire. It hurts to be purified. Several years ago, at Convocation, our annual youth retreat to Gatlinburg, I remember praying to God about the severe anxiety that I had been having. I know, most people wouldn't assume I struggle with anxiety at all. <laughs> I'm Sadie Webb. I'm bold, I speak up, and I enjoy taking the occasional risk. But the truth is, I feel the pressure to do well. I feel pressure to achieve something to be as perfect as possible. I feel pressure to perform well in school and to perform well in sports. And some of it is outside pressure, but a lot of it is pressure I put on myself. That kind of pressure breeds an anxiety that is never content with good enough. It's a pressure a lot of us young people feel, at least to some extent. And I know that in a lot of ways, we have it easy. We have homes, good families, the right to a good education, good friends, 
and money to afford a lot of the things we want. But that just means that anxiety and pressure are all the more hidden. Hidden behind what seems to be perfect, easy lives. So, it was during this youth retreat a few years ago that I felt God nudging me to give my burdens and expectations over to God. To bring my anxieties and give them up to Him. Part of God's refinement of my life is to teach me to surrender, to let go of perfection, to let go of control. And if you know me, you know I don't do that often. <coughs> Take it from me. It doesn't feel good. I still resist God's refining fire. I still have times where I feel anxious. I still get stressed. I still feel that pressure. I imagine God will be refining me in this area for the rest of my life, continuing to ask me to surrender my anxieties to Him. I don't know in what ways God is trying to refine you. It could be pulling you out of the bitterness or healing your broken spirit or breaking your hardened heart or taking your pride and turning it into humility. But I am certain that God is working to refine all of us that we might reflect Him. Some years ago, in Dublin, a company of women met to study the Bible. Like us, one of them was puzzled by the words of Malachi 3.3, and he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. After some discussion, a committee was appointed to call in a silversmith and to learn what they could on the subject. The silversmith readily showed them the process. But sir, said one, do you sit while the refining is going on? Oh, yes, indeed, he said. I must sit with eyes steadily fixed on the surface. For if the time necessary for refining is exceeded in the slightest degree, the silver is sure to be damaged. At once they saw the beauty and the comfort of this scripture passage. <coughs> As they were leaving, the silversmith called after them. Oh, one more thing. I only know when the process is complete by seeing my own image reflected on the silver. <laughs> that is what the Lord Jesus wants to see in you and me as he refines us by fire, his blessed image. God wants to see himself in us. He wants us to reflect Christ in the world. That's why he refines us. If we are covered in pain and hurt and sin, no one will be able to see Christ in us. God's reflection can only be seen in our purity. Refinement is a lifelong process. I know that God has been refining me over the past several years and that God still has a long way to go with me. 
When the Israelites only brought their leftovers to be sacrificed, they did not experience true refinement. They did not experience the depth of God's presence. They did not experience the depth of God's goodness and purity. That's still true for us. God will take our leftover sacrifices. But then we shouldn't expect the fullness of God's grace and mercy. So give it your best. Your best. That our offerings might be a sweet and pleasing aroma to God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this word, for the way this subject that so often feels condemning and challenging, that you want to refine us, that it's a sign of your love for us, that you consider us precious, that you love us. So this morning we submit ourselves again. We submit our hearts, our families, our lives again to you. Would you refine us, that in all things we might reflect and glorify you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.